0: is a Finn Maniacs listeners, thank you so much. And I hope you guys are not too hungover on the post draft because we're just gonna go, this is our first episode of the series detailing all the draftees the Dolphins have drafted so far. And today we'll be talking about the first pick that the Dolphins did. And you know, heading into the 2021 NFL off season, everyone knew that the Miami Dolphins hoped to take the next step this season they would have to surround of vailoa with the necessary weapons to succeed. Many argued for months over who the team would select. Could it be Kyle Pitts, maybe LSU star wide receiver Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, maybe an elite offensive tackle in Panay as well. But with the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins selected college football's most efficient and potentially most dangerous deep threat and Alabama's Jalen Waddle and Brandon, what was my reaction again on the live stream that we did?
1: So we did a live stream. It was day one of the 2021 NFL draft. And, you know, we were just we were calling out pick after pick after pick. At first, it seemed as if the Dolphins were going to select uh, Kyle Pitts from the University of Florida, who's arguably the top tight end in this current class. As soon as the Atlanta Falcons took Pitts at four, the hope started dwindling down. Right. Because now it's like you either take Jamar Chase and if the Dol- and if you you hope and pray that if the Cincinnati Bengals don't select Chase the Dolphins having picked number 6 remember this this was this was sort of like last year right when when the Dolphins had picked number 5 I, or or picked number 4 I, I don't remember exactly which one they had but it was either they were were they going to select Tua or were they going to select Justin Herbert right but now a year later it was were the Dolphins going to select either Panay Peressoell Jamar Chase as soon as the Cincinnati Bengals took Jamar Chase, then it was like, oh, wait, I've, for months, and, you know, you, I'm, I'm sure Trevor can, you know, if I don't know if Usam ever told Tra- Trevor this, for months, uh, Usam was demanding that the Dolphins have to draft Devontae Smith because he's arguably the top wide receiver in college football, so, when I, I was the one who who I, you know, I have all my noti- my uh, notifications on Adam Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, NFL Update, uh, Mike Garofolo So as soon as NFL Update posted that the Dolphins were selecting Jalen Waddell, I immediately thought of, oh man, how is Usam trying to react to this? And as soon as I announced the pick, Usam was just in like complete, I like I, I wish shock. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I was
2: in
0: I, shock. I, like, shock.
1: I'll 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 leave it at, at, at that.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna have to introduce our special guest today. And everybody, please welcome Trevor Sykema of the Draft Network, host of Locked On NFL Podcast. And I gotta ask you, Trevor, initially, what were your thoughts on Jalen Waddle at six?
2: So I, uh, first and foremost, appreciate you guys having me on the pod. This is going to be a lot of fun talking about one of the best players in the draft class, one of the most fun players that I had the chance to study this past offseason. Him at six, uh, I was not shocked. Uh, because I was told before the draft that it was either Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddle. It was whoever was going to be left at number six. And uh, when Kyle Pitts went number four, which we also assumed would be the case, I didn't think that they were going to go quarterback. And so when they officially went with Kyle Pitts, I, I, I knew, I I knew that it was going to be Jalen Waddle at number six, because I had been told from a pretty good source that that's what was going to be the case. So there wasn't any mystery around it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys saw at this point when Jalen Waddle heard his name announced sunglasses on indoors, just stood up family celebrating. I'm out. Just, (laughs) just (laughs) head straight to uh to shake the hand of Roger Goodell you have to respect it and no I mean I I think that it was the right pick for them and you know when Miami was doing its wheeling and dealing and moving back from three to 12 and then moving back up from 12 to six I think they did it with three players in mind and I do feel like at the time of the trade it was between three guys it was between Kyle Pitts Jalen Waddell and Penny Sewell and I think that as time went on and as we got close to the draft, they were clearly, they, they clearly had an order in which they would operate. Kyle Pitts was their first choice. Jalen Waddle was their second. And then Penny Sewell was their third. And so I, I think that the Waddle pick is is not shocking at all. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, you get Tuatunga-Vailoa, a familiar weapon, a weapon that he knows well. He understands what kind of a, a, a asset Waddle speed can be for him. It's also chemistry that he's already got after throwing to Waddle for a little bit during his time at Alabama. And so you like that, you like the familiarity and and you like that just the receiver room is now a lot more dynamic. I understand that they added Will Fuller and I know that we're going to talk about him here in a little bit, but Jalen Waddle was also sort of the right choice because he can hit you on the slot and, and we're going to get into that. I know we'll dig into that a little bit more, but I, I really truly believe that uh, not only was I not shocked that Waddle was the pick and I do you think that this was the right pick for them to make?
1: You know, I, so when I, so my immediate reaction was really, you know, I wasn't, I was not really shocked, but at the same time, shocked. And the only reason why I'm saying that was because, you know, Jalen Waddle, if you flash back to the national championship game, right? The number one question was, is he, it was Alabama going to even activate him before that game? Because remember, he had a gruesome injury. I, I believe it was his lower leg. Angle. Mm-hmm. I don't really necessarily remember the exact extent of the of the of the, the injury, but, but this was an injury that we didn't really know necessarily if his draft stock was gonna fall because of it. So when the Dolphins obviously took Jalen Waddell at pick number six overall in the first round, I immediately thought, well, speed, right? Because the Dolphins for many years have been looking for that deep threat guy. We had the Dolphins a long time ago, you know, you flash back to the early 2010s with Ryan Tannehill drafting in 2012. Brandon, Mike Wallace, right to hope, and even before Ryan Tannehill comes to the Dolphins, you had Chad Henney throwing to to Brandon Marshall. The Dolphins really never had that elite deep threat playmaking receiver like how the Kansas City Chiefs have with Tyreek Hill. So I think my, I mean, my first reaction, and I'm, and I'm honestly excited to see all three of these guys lined up this year: Will Ford, Devonte Parker, and even Albert Wilson. And now you factor in Jalen Waddle, who could even be a big contributor to the. Uh, to the special teams unit, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I just hope that with the NFL adding a, a, a one extra game this season to now make it 17 games, which the 2021 schedule drops tomorrow. I'm hoping that, you know, Jalen Waddle stays healthy because remember not every single first, not every first round pick, you know, um, contributes. There's been many first round busts. There's been many first round uh, players that have, you know, have, have come in from their, from their. A rookie year on and have dominated but there's been many first round busts so i think a lot of people just you know automatically they were they were especially usam they were very disappointed that the dolphins took waddle over the over De, De, to smith but if you really understand as to why if, if you're a diehard Dolphins fan and you've been watching dolphins football for 10 plus years you kind of understand why the dolphins took a guy like Jalen waddle who can create se- separation off the uh, the be a lot of uh, scrimmage
2: now yeah, i do I mean-
0: want to say i wasn't disappointed sorry to interrupt Ch- trevor and uh brennan does want to ask you this too but i'm not so sure if you followed preston williams and his development with the dolphins mm-hmm. but his rookie season he was handling kicks mm-hmm. now it looks like jalen waddle may look to handle kicks and he could be a primary receiver would it be smart for him to return kicks and then go ahead and follow up on the point you were about to make.
2: No. Yeah. I, I, you just could just bounce off of Brandon's point. Yeah. I, I think that there've certainly been busts for injuries over the last, you know, for as long as the NFL has existed, that that's something that's a possibility. And you worry a little bit about Jalen Waddle just because he was limping a little bit, even when they activated himself for the national championship game. But I really don't think that they should have activated him then. I mean, he really shouldn't have been, out on the field and I think you could kind of tell that he really wanted to play and I think that's why they kind of let him play but they gave him a little bit of a pitch count if you will we were told that uh, that the injury should be fully healed and it was a broken ankle and granted it was a, it was a gruesome broken ankle but you know it's just kind of a snap of a bone you put it back into place it'll heal back in place. And so I think that everything should be good with him. There wasn't a lot of ligament or there wasn't any ligament damage, I believe to what happened during his injury. So I-, I think that you've got faith that he'll heal correctly. And when it comes to kick and punt return duties, yeah, it's a little nerve wracking when you have a high invested wide receiver who is going to be returning kicks. And I-, I think that, you know, if they have him return kicks simply because a lot of rookies play special teams, they're doing so because he's going to give them a big, return on investment they hope especially in the punt return game but I don't think he'll always do that you know what I'm saying like there came a point when Deshaun Jackson stopped fielding punts you know like there comes a point where these guys they maybe do it early on in their careers but they don't always do it and I feel like that's probably going to be the case with Jalen Waddle it's going to be a lot like it was with Deshaun Jackson where if if you have him as your primary return man early on, it's not going to be more than maybe one or two years. And then after that, it'll be a spot situation where, you know, like, oh, hey, the other team is punting towards us. We've got to score points here. Let's put Jalen back in to return the punt just because we know that he's super fast and he might be able to break one loose for us. So I don't know. I'm not too worried about that. And and even if they start him on special teams as a returner, I don't think it'll last for too long.
1: You know, my, I mean, another reaction, that, that I had when the when the Dolphins took Waddle was Jatim Grant's status, right? Because Jatim Grant for the past year or so was Miami's main punt return guy. You you had they they did throw up Preston Williams out there sometimes, but now I mean, and you know, Usama and I talked about it about two or three pod, podcasts ago. We don't necessarily really know who's on the, the roster yet. I mean, obviously at the at, at the end, end of the day, when it's all said and done, there's gonna be uh, a uh, Brian Flores is going to create his 53-man roster. We don't really know yet whether uh, Jakeem J- J- Grant will be a part of that 53-man roster. We do know that Albert Wilson is expected to come back. I believe he also did change his his uh, jersey number. But I mean, to you know, I definitely agree with uh, Tre- with uh, Trevor's point that if the Dolphins do have Waddle returning punts, it might be at an, er- at an it might be towards the early stages of. of the, the 2021 season. I don't think it will be a full 17 game season. I just want to see how dominant could he be. Because remember, Tua was throwing to Waddle in in college. So now we're going to see can that college connection kind of now transfer over now to to the uh, National Football League level.
0: So my hope is that when the Dolphins drafted J- Jalen Waddle, they plan to move him around in a similar way that of. Uh, like the Alabama offense a season ago, using pre-snap motions, design gadget plays, jet sweeps, focal screens, and you know so on and so forth. Uh, Matt Harmon, the creator of reception per, reception per perception, scored Waddle with an 80% success rate on post routes, 87.5% on digs, and his 80.3% success rate against man coverage ranked 98th percentile in all of college football, and that's certainly elite. Now, with Miami changing coordinators that are going with the dual coordinator system and bringing in college concepts, what is the RPO offense going to look like with Waddle now that Charlie Fry is on our coaching staff?
2: Yeah, I just think that with Waddle, you have an opportunity to put a lot of defensive players in conflict, right? And I think that that's what when you talk about pre-snap motion and certain alignments and getting guys to run before the snap, it's all about putting the defense in a conflict area, whether it's communication or just certain mismatches. And I think that Jalen Waddell is the ultimate chess piece with that. And my colleague over at the draft network, Joe Marino, he and I were talking about Jalen Waddell. This is back in, March we were talking about him back in March and I believe that Jalen Waddle was wide receiver one for Joe he was above Jamar Chase and I asked him I was like why is Jalen Waddle above Jamar Chase because I had them so close but I ended up having I think I think Jamar Chase scored like one single point above Jalen Waddle so let talk about like these two guys were my favorite wide receivers in the class but I ended up having Chase at one and Waddle at two so I remember asking Joe hey why do you have Waddle at number one and he's like look when Waddle is on the field, when he does pre-snap motion, and when you see things post-snap of, of who's looking at him, he's the biggest threat. He's like, what what player in this class do you have to worry about the most? And it's Jalen Waddle. And he's right. He's totally right. And when you talk about, you know, not just like RPO offenses, but any offenses in general, that motion before the snap, is crucial because if you're in man coverage you're forcing a guy to float from one side of the field to the other maybe he's more comfortable on one side of the field than he is on the other side of the field jalen waddle all of a sudden puts him in big time conflict when you move into one side or the other you also are probably going to get a rotation of safeties because look if jalen waddle's sitting there in the slot ain't no damn chance that the person who's covering him in the slot and man coverage can handle him on their own. So you have to have cap coverage over the top of him. You've got to have safety, uh, safety looking at him as well. So he commands so many eyes because of his speed. And with that, you know, it doesn't, what what I would hope to see from the dolphins is I just would like for them to get a lot more creative pre-snap. And now they have the player that allows them to do that. So that's my biggest takeaway with Jalen Waddle and what he could bring to the team is he is a player who, if you move him left to right, one side of the line of scrimmage to the other, defenses have to flip. They have to adjust. They cannot simply pass him off because there's no way you've got two players in your secondary that you are comfortable with passing Jalen Waddle off to. And if you all of a sudden get him in a big mismatch, then, you know, you talk about RPO concepts. Jalen Waddle's is probably the hot player right off the bat. You know, he's probably running a very quick two-way go or an inside slant or a dig across the line of scrimmage or something and you go okay well if we had a mismatch there he's gonna be open he's gonna create separation so i think that's the main thing that you're looking for in a benefit with why you have waddle
0: so um let me ask one more and then we'll flip over to Brennan, uh trevor so you're right miami's offense last season was one of the most stoic in the nfl and there was little very little pre snap motion, specifically yeah. of the jet motion variety. And if you watch all the best offenses in the league right now, the jet motion is the staple. And one of my predictions in one of my previous articles and tweets was that it was going to be a pro style outside zone RPO offense with a little bit of spread con uh, spread concepts sprinkled in. With the with Jalen Waddle to help Tua, how does this aid his development in reading defenses?
2: Well, I think that it just, you know, it, it's a security blanket first and foremost. You know, I, I the, the thing that I watched with Tua last year is that he just didn't have a ton of confidence. Like he was clearly still learning confidence, whether that was confidence in his body coming off of that, you know, catastrophic injury or whether it was confidence in re- his receivers, in the playbook, in reading the field, all of this. He just, he seemed very timid. He seemed very gun shy. And that's why it was apparent when people were like, Hey, Fitzpatrick's clearly the better quarterback. Well, of course, Fitzpatrick's the better quarterback. He's a 14-year vet. Like, he knows exactly where receivers are going to be. He knows exactly where defenders are going to be, and he plays confidently. So, yeah, he's going to exude that confidence, and you're going to see him and think that he's the better quarterback there. But before we judge Tua, and I I know a lot of people are already ready to write off Tua Bailoa because of of how timid he was last season. You have to see him when he's confident. And I think that the addition of Jalen Waddell in so many different ways allows for him to become more confident. And you talk about yeah you know, the different styles of offense that he's going to be in having Waddle there as a slot player, especially for him to just be able to hike the ball and glance his eyes over one way or the other recognize things pre-snap. Hopefully, you know, when Jalen Waddle is in motion, that gives away what kind of coverage the defense is going with. You can see mismatches before you even hike the ball, you know exactly where he's going to be and where the open spots are going to be because not a lot of players can hang with, with Waddle in in man coverage because of his speed. So I just think that overall, no matter how you want to look at it schematically, waddle has the chance to be a quick hit ball out of your hands quickly confidence builder kind of a player whether it's short intermediate deep downfield whatever it is waddle is going to give to a vailoa that confidence that you desperately need in order to correctly assess how he is as a quarterback in the nfl so i think regardless of what they're going for he just gives him that security element
1: so rookie receivers don't immediately blow onto the scene they're their first year unless they are put in a great situation and they become immediate starters. So what are your expectations for Jalen Waddle? And obviously pending that he could stay healthy for a full 17 game season. And even more, if the dolphins clinch a playoff spot. Yeah. I mean,
2: (laughs) you know, I, I think that you're going to see a lot of positives from him, but you know, I don't think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver or anything. It's not like they're going to be force feeding this guy, the ball. At least I don't think, I mean, they, I guess they could go that direction. We just don't see it a lot for rookies and you'll get this wide receiver room already. You've got Preston Williams. You've got Devontae Parker. You're adding Will Fuller. You have Mike a you know, like there's, there's a lot of different passing options here. And so especially the more spread out you go, I, you gotta just you got a lot of different options, and so I'm not gonna say he's gonna be a thousand-yard receiver or anything, but I can definitively tell you that his presence on the team is going to make a big impact, and I think it's going to be. A, I expect whatever the number is, like whether it's 700 yards receiving or 800 or 900 or what whatever that ends up falling to be, I'm telling you that Waddle's presence there, I think, is just going to be a big benefactor, and it's going to be a great baseline for where the Dolphins are gonna to want to go because. Going back to Joe's argument, whether or not Jalen Waddle gets the ball, he affects the offense. There are not many players in the NFL who can do that, who have multiple sets of eyes on them at all times, who you have to account for no matter what. And especially if you put a player like Jalen Waddle in situations in the slot where he's got two-way goes, where he's able to eat up cushion very quickly, where he could go left, right, deep, whatever, in the blink of an eye, The the entire defense has to account for it. So I I just think that he's going to be a positive impact on this Dolphins team, whether or not he gets more than 800 yards or not, because for some wide receivers, you could say like, all right, well, if they don't get 600, 800 yards, whatever it is, they're not, they're not really a success. I think that there's going to be a lot of intangibles that go along with Jalen Waddle's presence that will go into his rookie year being successful. So there's a lot of avenues where I think that his presence is going to help out this Dolphins team. Uh, it, It just might not be as statistical as we love to point out, but whatever it is, I have full faith that he's going to be great for him.
0: So it sounds like he is the home run pick already. You're literally describing it to him. A lot of analysts describe him too. And we said it too on the live stream. Now there are a couple of keys to being a successful wide receiver. There's the release, right? How the receiver is able to play vertically, leverage, and separation. Now, could you describe those four bullet points, and we'll go into the fifth one a little bit later on. What's what stands out for Jalen Waddle the most in each of those four areas?
2: Uh, I believe you said you said like the ability to get vertical, right? That was one of the points that you made. Yes. Okay. okay. So that's that is Waddle's biggest calling card is that. It, yeah, You hear all the time when you talk about wide receiver technique is you want to eat up cushion, right? You want to get into a corner. So if they're standing five, five six, seven yards off the line of scrimmage, you want to be able to eat up that cushion really quick and get even with them. And the reason why you want to get even with them is because then you become a vertical threat. Then the corner might all of a sudden sell out for the vertical ball when you could just then – chop your feet, put your feet in the ground, spin around, and all of a sudden you create separation that way. And so I think that when it comes to what makes Jalen Waddle so successful, it is the intensity at which he runs his routes, especially when it comes to early in the route, eating up cushion, because not many wide receivers can threaten vertical the way that Jalen Waddle can. He truly strikes fear into the eyes of defenders where they go if this dude gets even with me, I don't have a chance. There's, I am going to get beat over the top. This is going to be a home run. Two is going to put it right over our heads. And this dude's it's going to be straight in the bread basket and he's going to score six points. Corners and safeties know that. And they can't give that up with Jalen Waddell. And that's what makes him so dangerous. And so I would tell you that, you know, releases, of course how you're coming uh, out of your break at that, at, at the snap, what you're doing with, with your footwork. I mean, think about Devonte Adams. He's the, he's the guy that I always go to when it comes to release and footwork, he's chopping his feet, he's moving his body one way, he's putting his foot in the ground. He's immediately going uh, either inside or out, depending on what kind of leverage the quarterback is playing cornerback is playing. So, That goes into release. When it comes to separation, he's obviously got that with his natural speed. Him at top speed is going to be able to get separation basically against any corner. But I would tell you that getting vertical, threatening vertically, eating up cushion, that's the biggest calling card for him. And that's why you give Jalen Waddle those slot two-way goes where he could go to the left, he could go to the right, he could go deep on you, he could sit straight where he's at. (laughs) Asking any corner to be able to stop Jalen Waddle with those four options,
1: it's impossible.
2: And I think that that's what's going to make uh, it really tough for teams to
1: to, to really contain him. So so and like Sam said, you know, Jalen Waddle right now seems like he is the home run pitch. But I want to but I want to get your thoughts, Trevor, on one of Miami's free agent signings, right? Will Fuller, who was pretty mm-hmm. much dominant when he when when uh, Deshaun Watson was was throwing in the ball. Right. Do you expect that same chemistry to now flip over from Houston to uh, to uh, the Dolphins?
2: I mean, it could. I love Will Fuller. You know, I thought that Will Fuller was an extremely underrated wide receiver. I thought that it was absolutely wild the way Houston moved on from DeAndre Hopkins. But I was very excited to see what Fuller could do as a focal point, kind of a wide receiver. And, you know, unfortunately for what we've been saying about Will Fuller's whole career, when he was healthy, it oh. was great. And and that's the big thing with Fuller is that that's why he only got the one-year deal is, is people just don't know with him anymore. They don't know good, how available sure it is. He's going to be, but when he is out there, he's a difference maker. If if we look at this fully healthy Miami Dolphins wide receiver group, I would tell you that Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle are my one and two. I and and that's not to slight press what Preston Williams can do as an outside X receiver. That's not to slight how well Devontae Parker has been playing lately. But these two guys, I think, for what they bring to the table, speed wise, I think that they bring a, a, a lot in return of what you could do when you invest in them with a lot of targets. And so all of a sudden with free agency, uh, with the draft, you've got a really nice wide receiver room. And and I think that you've got the types of wide receivers that Tua Velo is going to want to like. And like I said before, it's all about building chemistry this year. So, you know, when you look at what Will Fuller was able to do at his best with Deshaun Watson, you're looking at a very confident Deshaun Watson who is throwing him the ball. That's not going to be the case with Will Fuller and Tua Tungavello early on in the season. First half of the season, it might be pretty quiet for Will Fuller. We might get a couple of home run balls in there, but I think overall it might be a little bit difficult to to attack him depending on how they're deploying him, whether they're just sending him vertical or whether they're having him do all kinds of other stuff. But if things go well, second half of the season, you could see a really great turnaround. You could see this being one of the better wide receiver groups in the NFL if Tua is throwing the ball confidently to them.
1: And I, and I want to get just, you know, uh, quickly before we we, uh, we jump into the Dolphins failing to select a, uh, a, a running back for the second consecutive draft. I just want to get your thoughts, Trevor, on uh, on the job that you think Brian Flores has done. Since coming into this organization in February of, of 2019, do you truly believe that Brian Flores is the guy that will lead uh, the Dolphins to their first Super Bowl championship in probably, man, 45, 50 years?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's 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 hard to say yes for sure on that question because only one coach wins it every year, right? And a lot of times we have repeat coaches who win it just because they're some of the best that have ever done it. We're still living in the Belichick and Brady era because they're still around, even though it's the tail end of it. Uh, sorry to bring up bad memories for Dolphins fans because he's terrorized them in the division for a while. But, you know... When you ask that question, I think that Brian Flores could very well be the man for the job to put them in the conversation. And that's all you can really ask for is being in the conversation. I mean, you look at this Dolphins team, the chemistry between Flores and Chris Greer to build this roster has been incredible. Two years ago, they started this season, what, 0-7? They were laughing stock of the nfl right i mean people were talking about them being another 0 16 team and now here they are last year winning double digit games almost making the playoffs you know and it's just it's it's an unbelievable turnaround that they've been able to have and so anytime that that's the case you just can't find a bad word that somebody has to say about brian florida as it seems the players really love him it seems like he's on the cutting edge of everything that's happening defensively and you love that he's just got to get the right offensive coordinator and the right quarterback in the building and i think that when that is the case you're going to Miami really start to contend for division titles yes even with the Buffalo Bills and uh and and potentially AFC championships as well and so they're still a ways from that but they are on the road they are on the path they are putting themselves in the conversation to take that next step at some point over the next couple of years if fate wills it so
0: so <laughs> You spoiled a little bit of my article detailing that you think Will Fuller, will Fuller and Jalen Waddle are the number ones and number twos. I do think right now, before any game has been played, Will Fuller is the number one wide receiver in that room just because of his ability and how well he meshes with to his playing style. Now, I do think Jalen Waddle will become that number one wide receiver as the season goes on. But on the last point, for you know being a successful wide receiver is putting personalities into your route we know how route route runners are basically the best wide receivers in the league Devonte adams stefan Diggs, deandre hopkins as well what is jalen waddle's personality into the routes he runs
2: ferociousness is probably the word that I would bring to the table because, you know, you just watch some of his best. And like I was saying, he, he aggressively attacks cushion. You know, I think that Jalen understands the weapon that he is. He knows that there's not anybody on the football field that can keep up with him You know, you watch some of his best highlights when it comes to after the catch or deep down the field, he's erasing angles against sec defenders that I mean, no one else in college football is doing. And it's just, the intensity at which he runs and attacks cushions and breaks on his routes and creates separation. I mean, That's the personality, just intensity, just all-out effort at all times. And I think that that's something that Brian Flores and Chris Greer clearly really loved. That's something that Alabama loved as well. And so when you talk about personality and who you are as a wide receiver, relentlessness, intensity, ferocity, you like all of that I think really goes into the equation of uh, how he gets on top of you quick, and then in the blink of an eye, he's gone.
0: So you are really tooting his horn, and you're making me – be all like butterflies in my stomach just thinking about it man but let's open this up to a discussion about the running back situation in miami brandon i know you when tanner was on the live stream you and him were both going back and forth about why we didn't need a running back why we did need a running back and trevor i believe you wrote wrote this in uh, one of your articles about the running back situation down here in south florida they're doing things the right way They're being patient and I believe they will be rewarded with the right running back at the right time at the right price. Their approach to the process is lending itself to yield that result. So let me ask you this, when is the right time? Is it this offseason, 2022 free
2: agency, next year's
0: draft class? Spill it. Spill the
2: beans, man. Well, I think that it could have been any time over the last two years, which did not happen. And I think that it can be any time over the next two years as they kind of come into their winning window. And the reason why I wrote that article the way I did is because Miami's not really wasting any time right now. It's not like they have a quarterback on a ticking clock of a rookie contract or anything like that. I mean, they do with Tua, but it's not like he's entrenched as someone who, you know, can win you a Super Bowl or get you to the playoffs or win a division. They're still getting there to that point. So it's not like having a running back is holding them back from really competing in the AFC. Now, will it help when they get one? Sure. But look at the last two drafts and the last two situations that have happened with the Dolphins they were one pick away from being able to select J.K. Dobbins when the Baltimore Ravens traded up one pick before them to go take him. That was last year. This year, they're one pick away from being able to pick Javante Williams, and the Denver Broncos moved up, and they took him. Now, uh, I have on good authority that they might have picked Javon Holland over Javante Williams anyways, but that's all to say, you also look at free agency, right? They were the hot name with Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones stays in Green Bay. Why? Because they gave him a really big contract. So instead of getting really worried and panicked and just way overpaying Aaron Jones more than they should have, they said, okay, we're not comfortable with paying him more than Green Bay is paying him or overpaying him to get him to leave Green Bay. That's fine. And I think that that's the right approach. That's, we talk about like the whole like running backs don't matter thing, running backs are very replaceable you can take that logic. And even though I think that we've pushed it a little, we've pushed it too far at this point, you can take the good parts of that argument and you can take it into other areas like free agency where, okay, we really want a running back, but we don't want to pay this guy this much because we know that it's not really a worthwhile investment, especially when you're not in a winning window. Like I said, so, I think that any time over the next two years is a good time for the Dolphins to get a little bit more aggressive into going to get a running back, whether that's in the draft or free agency or however it is. But I feel like they've done a great job so far of not panicking, not using resources that they shouldn't to go get a running back, whether that's been salary cap money or draft capital. And I think that when it's all said and done, when Miami hits its stride to get into its winning window, they will have a running back to lean on. And I think that they have gone about that process the right way.
1: And you know, uh, uh, the general manager Chris Greer about a week or two ago pretty much said that they're solidified with Miami's current running back room. So that and that running back room consists of Miles Gaston, Salvin Ahmed, and these are guys that you know Usam Usam and I really firsthand saw the production that really Gaston was was able to bring last year. And let's not and let's not forget. Miles Dassen wasn't even a first round, second round, third round, fourth round draft pick. Miles Jackson, I believe, was a sixth round draft pick, or you know, mm. or even seventh round, so, seventh round yeah. out
0: of the University of Washington.
1: Washington. So, so you can you you don't have to use one of your first. Like, let's say, because since the Dolphins had two first round picks in back to back drafts, Miami really didn't have to use one of their first of two on on a on a standout running back. Miami could have used one of their third round picks, one of their fourth round picks. This is the second year that that the that the Dolphins did not do it, which obviously means that they're fine having Miles daston and Salvin Ahmed and whoever else may, may jump on that on, on that running back train. I just think, and you know, I've said it plenty of times before, Miami's running Miami's running game really as just as a whole unit over the past couple of seasons. It's been good. It hasn't really been great.
2: No, I mean, I I think that you're right. They've got names to like, but. You know, kind of going back to what I said, when it's time to take that next step with running back, there will be a guy to go get, and it wasn't worth taking Najee Harris at 18. Certainly not over Jalen Phillips. No way you do that. And okay, so they get sniped for Javante Williams. That's okay. There's going to be other running backs. I promise you there is going to be time over the next two years in rounds two and three, sometime on day two, that you're going to have the chance to go get a running back that you really love. And I I believe that wholeheartedly. And that's why I think the Dolphins are doing the right thing. And
0: does this factor into the sense that drafting Jalen Waddle actually opens up the run game where, you know, they're not in single high coverage anymore. They don't have a lot of bodies around the line anymore because of the threat of Jalen model. Does this open it up for Miles Gaskin, Jared Dokes, Malcolm Brown, maybe even Saman Ahmed a little bit? Sure.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And then once they get a really steady running game and they can lean on the running game, guess what that does? It opens up the passing game again. So complimentary football is what every single coach is going to tell you. And whether you're setting up the pass first, or you're using the run to set up the pass or what, like whatever you come up to first, the best teams in the NFL are always the ones that I feel like you can lean on and be more balanced. Of course you score more points when you pass the ball, more passing the ball more is more advantageous for you. So you don't want, when you say balanced, that doesn't just mean 50, 50, what, it means is complementary. whatever that is to you if you're a team that passes the ball 62 percent of the time and that means you run at 38 that could be balanced that could be complementary to you because of how efficient you are staying in both metrics that's what it all boils down to and I think that well again when the time comes Miami's going to be able to find that balance
0: so at Tampa Bay Trey on twitter.com is Tampa Bay running it back
2: yeah, of course they're running it back. They got Tom Brady, quarterback. They're bringing back all 22 starters. They had a great free agency period. They had a great draft. No, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying before. It, it, it's not about having a clear-cut favorite. It's just about being in the conversation. You get four or five teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl every single year. Tampa got very lucky last year with how injury-free they were, and I think that they knew it. And It was cool to see a team who had luck on their side be able to go all the way and win a super bowl in their own city as they hosted the game. That was, that was a very cool thing to see uh, a cool thing to see for my hometown as well. And so I think they're putting themselves in, in in an opportunity to win it again. And I think that Brady's probably going to play another two years and that's what they're going to do. They're going to be pedal on the gas. They're going to make sure that they got all the pieces to do it. And they're going to put themselves in the position to make a run for it, both next year and the year after. So your hometown is Tampa Bay. I grew up just South of Tampa. Yes. Yeah. So
1: we're we're potentially looking at a possible Chiefs-Buccaneers rematch next
2: year? Uh, (laughs) Man, I mean, as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy and quarterback of the Chiefs, they always got a chance to be there. And yes, certainly if Brady's, unless Brady's arm falls off or, (laughs) you know, something I think that he's going to be able to put him there as well.
0: (laughs) Well, Trevor, before we let you go, why don't you tell all our listeners where they can find you at?
2: Sure. Uh, Well, you guys said it there. All my work you can find on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, as well as all my written stuff, scouting over the draftnetwork.com. And then uh, if you're a big fan of podcast formats, myself and Benjamin Solak have a podcast called locked on NFL draft. We're doing five days a week, Monday through Friday. We have a lot of fun on there. So check that out as well.
0: Of course. Well, Trevor Sikama, thank you so much for coming onto the Finn maniacs podcast. And
2: before we let you go, yes, you cooking up, anything good within the next couple of weeks? I mean, I'm not going to give away my content over here. No, but we're we're very excited, man. I think that we're going to take a little bit of time off at the end of May, kind of recharge a little bit in June, but something I love doing every single year is summer scouting. We're going to get into a lot of these guys who are coming up, some fun names to look for in college football, some guys who are going to be future NFL draft picks as well. We're going to be making our divisional picks where we think every team is going to finish, especially with the schedule coming out soon. Uh, really sure. once, once end of end of June, early July, we start to get back in the swing of things. And summer scouting is one of my favorite things that we get to do because we put a lot of names on people's radar to watching college football and for the NFL draft.
0: Well, certainly we'll be looking at, at this. And since we are the co-host Brennan and I of the scouting combine, and I am the director of scouting, I'll be looking at that and. As always, listeners, thank you for listening. I do want to tell you this. I have an article of, of Jalen Waddle coming up, so be sure to check that out. And also, we will this will continue our series of the draftees the Dolphins have drafted so far. And we will be coming out with our back-to-campus specials detailing some of the 2022 draftees with their respective colleges. So, Brandon, as always, thank you for being a great co-host. Trevor, thank, thank you so man. much for Appreciate being on.
2: It, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. As always,
0: guys, fins up, baby.